Hey everybody! Hi, Welcome everyone. again. Part two: deconstructing the psyche with Michael and Eamon. All right, man. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is part two of the night. We just finished the Barbie podcast. We're ramped up off of that. <laughs> Feeling good. Feel like I just did some good illicit substances, even though I'm completely sober. Yeah, we're high on life right now. <laughs> Something. Right? Something's in the air. I don't know what it is. It might be these uh, weird storms that are coming through that, hmm. you know, it's a little humid and, and uh, you know, it, it brings the energy with it. It does. We got good energy tonight. I feel I'm ready for this. I'm ready for Oppenheimer, the conversation. This is a good film that we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we're definitely not going to talk about this in terms of the psychology on the on the on the audience as much. We're going to talk about the yeah. psychology of of this film. Okay, so yeah. mm-hmm. can we start off with something? Sure, go go right ahead. Compartmentalization. Oh yeah. Often that word was thrown around in that compartmentalization. Film the whole compartmentalization. Time. Compartmentalize. Compar- compartmentalization. Compartmentalize. So, yeah. What do you understand? For me, of the term because I, I think <laughs> I, you honestly, can define this term in many ways, a psychological term. Compartmentalization for me is something that, at least for me, works in terms of my practice, right? Um, yeah. Patients ask me often, like, okay, how do you do the job that you do? People often ask me, like, okay, why and how do you do it? Yeah. But I think it's because I can compartmentalize. Okay. I, I choose and I, I have the hours that I work yeah. and the hours that I'm with my friends and the hours of this. For me, compartmentalization is not unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's about you. It's not. It could, it could actually be, it, you have to do it at all times of the day. But it's something that helps at least keep things can can help and mean keep boundaries between things. Sure. Keep a lid on That's one a good thing way to and move say it. Boundaries. Forward. Yeah. But in terms of compartmentalization for them, um, when working on the Manhattan project, uh, it was something that forced yeah. them not to communicate with each other. Yes. The lack of communication created secrecy amongst yes. each other, which created a lack of trust amongst each crazy other. Crazy amounts of secrets in yeah. this film. Crazy amounts of uh, lost between trust. Different individuals, between yeah. different groups, between different pairings. It kind of depends on who's in the room at the time, who gets in the, the information, who doesn't get the information. Maybe you get information this way, and you get information this way. That's the way he wanted to do it, though. Oppenheimer set, set things up that way. He said there were four different places, right, areas, and then we all re- would convene in one central location, mm. right? So for him, it worked to have researchers in four different locations, not knowing what each one is working on, and then bring them all together to focus on creating the hydrogen bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that plays a big part in terms of what you're talking about, the communication between different groups of people. But that guy is so highly compartmentalized oh, yeah. in terms of his life. And when I think of compartmentalization, I, I think of it similarly in terms of the idea of boundaries. But it's kind of like this thing where you can never see the whole or the the unity of of your life and everything that you're doing. And that means that you are able to block out the impacts of what you're doing and not recognize it or not pay attention to how one part of your life is affecting another part of your life. That's the problem with that kind of compartment compartmentalization is yeah. that um, you're not able to, to really focus on the things in life that matter. Yeah. Um, the one thing I did like was that he and his wife did have their own catchphrase, which I think is always good with couples mm-hmm. is you have your own language or your own way of communicating with each other. And yeah. for him, it was taking the sheets but for that meant it was a success. Yeah. You know, so there was some kind of communication that they had with each other that 
in terms of compartmentalization, she understood the work that he was doing. She understood that he was this scientist. She, I think, was a scientist as well. I think she understood in a way, but she also seemed like she kind of blocked out a lot of things and kind of needed to forget about a lot of stuff. And we see this very early on when she's introduced when they have a child Mm -hmm. where she's instantly ready to get rid of this kid and let the child... I don't think she wanted to be a parent. I don't think she wanted to be a parent. No, I don't think so either. But she she almost immediately gives this kid up for, I don't know how long, it could have been a couple of years to a friend so that she didn't have to take care of it. Yeah. And it seems like she was perfectly fine with that. He, and that's it. I mean, that's just one small part of her types of her type of compartmentalization that she was experiencing. Was it? He tells his friend, "We're wicked people. That's why you should take our kid." Right? Yeah. I don't know if that's a great justification for it. You know, just saying that you're a bad person or you're a wicked person. It kind of seems like a cop out to me. And I'm not saying that he's justifying it, but I think it's part of the same thing, the compartmentalization. Yeah. You're not dealing with the issue. No. The real issue at hand is that she might have postpartum depression. Yeah. You know, but he doesn't want to deal with taking care. And an alcohol problem. Yeah, she's an alcoholic. She doesn't want to deal with taking care of the kid. She doesn't want to deal with taking care of the kid. He cares more about the project that he's working on. She cares more about maybe drinking and being happy that they're like, well... Can you take care of our kid? So one of the ways we can maybe think about this idea too is out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And that's how a person who is experiencing really extreme forms of compartmentalization is is looking at things is as long as I'm not seeing it, I it's don't okay. Care. Yeah. It doesn't it's not an issue as long as it's not within my sphere of eyesight yeah. or within my sensory uh, my sensory receptors. And so giving that kid up is a perfect example of that because it's not my problem because it's not in my eyesight. I'm not having to look at it and pay attention to it. And so I'm fine, actually. He must have really trusted trusted them to give his kid up to them. Yeah. Right. Because what kind of a parent would just say, take care of my kid. I can't take care of the kid. She can't take care of the kid. Yeah. We're not good people. Yeah. But how, how many other places in this movie is... Oppenheimer kind of approaching things from that viewpoint of out of sight, out of mind. I'm not seeing it. It's not present to me at this time. So it's, it's not an issue. It's it's not something I have to concern myself with. There was one conversation he had with somebody who talks about that. He talks about, Hey, you see so many things, things beyond our world, Mm. but you can't see what's right in front of you. Mm. He has a lot of a lot of uh, signs in front of him that things are not good. Things are not going how they're not going well. But he's not paying attention to them. He maybe he's trying to ignore them. He ignores or close his eyes to them. He ignores the small details of things because mm-hmm. he's focused more on the other details of things. The small details, in terms of his life, yeah. in terms of his social life, his personal life, yeah. But he focuses on the little details of maybe his work of, Mm. you know, being, I I think he's a physicist, right? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I think as a nuclear physicist or something like that. Yeah. So he's focused on those kinds of quantum physicists. Yeah. Though you have to be very detailed. You have to know numbers. Sure. You have to know these things, but that's his primary focus. It's not really on the, the family thing. Yeah. It's not really on that. Yeah. The other things that's where the saying, like, you can see beyond our, our, our reality. Yeah. But you can't see this. Yeah. He, he also has a good way of blocking out events from his past and forgetting about things that he's done in the mm-hmm. past and acting like they never happened or that that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing this a lot on the stand or when he's being um, questioned about his security clearance right. throughout the movie and he's being interrogated and whenever they're asking him questions about things that had happened with him he comes up with some type of rationalization to explain it away and it's he kind of is in a lot of denial 
you know, one of the things that's sticking out in my head, uh, for instance, is his denial of his involvement in any type of communism or socialist matters, which is obviously false because there was a time when he was pushing that it seemed very hard and he was involved in that group and group of people. But when it came down to those questions later on in his life, it was like, no, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a thing. I wasn't really involved in that. It's, it's, it's kind of like it, it wasn't relevant anymore apparently for him maybe because it's not in the present i don't know i think it's exactly that yeah it's exactly that when it's not in the present it's not then relevant yeah it's only if he was doing it now that it means something if it's but, not right at this moment yeah but i think when they when he was and uh, I think it was a trial, yeah. Was there a judge? There was a prosecutor. Yeah. But he, when he was there, right, um, he, they, they make it seem like what was happening to him was a reality, that it was happening right now. Mm. And it would make sense for someone like him to rationalize it away and say, it's not happening to me right now, therefore yeah. it's not true. Yeah. That I think the man that he was would justify his actions. And he really... Um, try to right he really did say look I feel bad for what happened mm. you know but that was the job that I was given that's why I did what I did yeah yeah he I don't know he seems like somebody that didn't want to admit to many things in his life he didn't want to kind of own up to who he was or a lot of the actions that he took. But why is it important for him to do that? Why would that have been important for him to own up to these things? If he's able to survive life, if he's oh, able yeah. to, to live... You can survive like that for a very long time. I'm not denying that. Yeah, so why is it important for him rather or not to... to well, whether he rationalizes it or not, he doesn't have to acknowledge it. It was a part of his past. It's not relevant now to who he is today i think it is i I think and and one of the ways you're seeing this later on as you know he's starting to get to the end of the time when they had created the bomb and after it had been detonated Mm -hmm. uh in japan you're seeing these scenes when they're focusing in on his face and the background is kind of blurring right and it's shaking. And I think that is Christopher Nolan's way of showing that this guy's psyche is very fragmented mm. and that it's ready to break at any given moment. Or he feels guilty for what happened. And he, he seems to be dissociating in a way where he doesn't even know where he is or what he's doing oh. when he's in some of these speeches. When he's giving that speech and he's yeah. telling people, I think he felt the way that one would have felt during one of these communist conversations at that time. Because back then, during that time, if you said anything that was anti-capitalism or anti-government through a communist perspective or lens, the crowd would have cheered. Yes. But now he's on stage and he's taking on the role of the American. But that's... The American against the communists. That's the psyche. That's the fragmentation, though. Because he's, he's two people at once, in a way... Because his his past <laughs> self that he hasn't reconciled himself with was that communist. And then in that moment, he is the uh, complete pro-American. And he's, he's, he's like two contradictory personalities in a way. Yeah. Because well, he hasn't dealt with well, his he, past and he, what he, who he has well, been. That was interesting because he started to wear the uniform too. Yeah. At one point when he went, then they started to build his city mm-hmm. on Los Alamos, right? Yeah. Um, one of the scientists is like, why are you wearing that army uniform? Take that off mm. and wear a coat. You're a scientist. Mm. Act like a scientist. Mm-hmm. But he was, took on the role of being, you know, the USA uh, patriarch, right? Yeah. Fucking patriot, actually. Yeah. He became that person. Yeah. I think once he decided, I think afterwards, when the bombs went off in Nagasaki and Hiroshima and he was giving that speech, and he was seeing the American flags waved. Yeah, I, I sucked into it. He, well, I think at that point he realized uh, how 
you know, bad it was, how, how bad the, the events were that killed so many people. Yeah. He's giving these speeches, but there was some sort of fakeness behind it too, because he was also in his mind imagining yeah. stepping on the ashes of the corpses. But I mean, that was the crazy thing too, because I don't know if it was the scene after or the scene before when he gives that speech is he is watching the video of the bombings and what happened to people, or he's watching slides of it. They're showing slides of like what happened to people who were uh, poisoned and who had radiation burns and all this stuff. And he couldn't even look at it. And you can tell he's disgusted and you can tell that like he doesn't like what happened, but then he's presenting in this other way when he's doing this speech, like, Oh, we, we got him and, we did this and we're, we're number one. And it's like, well, it's, you're two different people there. Sometimes it feels good to be praised. Sometimes it feels good to sure. have an audience of people say, you're great. We care about you, but that's not always um, easy to digest but, because in reality you're human and you, he at least was human and felt guilty about it and said, you yeah. know what? I created something that killed people yeah. that murdered people that after the fact was used, you know, after the fact, caused death yeah. months later years later right radiation poisoning the tumors that probably developed in, in the people yeah you know so i think he realized the effect of the the, the bomb that he created yeah I, I i think the word that keeps coming to my head as we're talking about this is integrity hmm. and it's like I, I think i even think they bring up that word at some point in the movie and it's almost like a joke about his lack of integrity. I, I, I can't remember where it is in the movie, but he is somebody that doesn't have any. And oh, no, at the end he did. I, think I don't at, think so. At the end he was going around and creating, I think he was trying to create policy to prevent nuclear um, weapons from being created or something like that. They're showing that towards the end or... A part of it because of his guilt i think he wanted to have some integrity but what do you mean what do you what's your understanding of what integrity is i think there has to be some forthright type of person where you're honest about the things that you know you do okay and doesn't that mean all the things that you've done a part of being having integrity was also maybe also having some remorse for the mistakes you've made you know did he yeah he did by by i think a part of him being and even subjecting himself to that secret meeting was also for him to be honest about what he did and the crime that he contributed to because that was a war crime in a way but Um, he wasn't completely honest in that scene he's 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 dodging half the questions that the guy is trying to pose to him yeah he keeps coming up with rationalizations and and we, we talked about this after the movie. He's kind of like playing word games I think, with them. I think, honestly, to get to that point, to be totally honest or to start to really have real remorse, it's a process, especially for a human being. Yeah, who but I don't think he goes through that. That's what I'm saying. I don't uh, think he ever goes through that process. I think he does when he's trying to create these policies because there has to be some point of reflection, although maybe he didn't verbalize it in the way that would depict that. Right, depict the fact that, you know, I feel bad for what I did. But I think when he said, you know, I became Shiva, the god, the destroyer of worlds, Mm -hmm. I think that for a man with his intellect, that's the closest we're going to get to. I fucked up and I I fucked up and killed so many people. I Mm -hmm. feel bad about this Mm -hmm. because no man can become a god. Right. But the creation of that bomb was uh, was it was something that affected so many lives. Yeah, I saw one movie a long time ago where it was about a bomb, right? And there were so many different bombings, and the Boston bombing was one of them, and other kinds of bombings, right? When they use um, crockpots to explode things. But this movie was about a bomb, and they say like the the bomb has a has the ability to change lives. Mm-hmm. You put it in one place, and these people who thought they were going to be alive are no longer here anymore. Mm. Their lives are not going to just be affected, but the lives around them are going to be affected. And I think that was a Denzel Washington film, right? But uh, the reality was, if they didn't have that weapon, those people would be alive. 
and the world would look so much different. Yeah. But because we created that weapon, they created that weapon, the world is now sort of afraid of each other. Mm. We walk on eggshells around each other. Even now with Russia and what's happening with Ukraine, mm. the Russians have nuclear weapons. The Americans have it. North Korea has their own. Iran probably has their own nuclear policies. Everyone has their own weapons because it's, it's a way of having power, the ability to destroy a country. Yeah. the ability to have power yeah right and i think that was his regret he was a man that could see everything and he couldn't see that and i think once the bomb went off and killed so many people did he realize oh shit this but is- he did realize that that's the thing the very end of that film they show his conversation with albert einstein by, uh, by the lake and he says to einstein Mm-hmm. This thing is going to. This thing could blow up the world. Very, it has a very real possibility of it. Yeah, it can. But, but it, it's not blow up the world. And like, it's like he knew that all the way back then, and he he didn't do anything about it, and decided to go through with any anyway. You're talking, he, but he was telling people otherwise you're the talking, entire time. You're talking about blowing up the world in what way? I think that's what they say. What, what he says to Einstein is the the world. It, this could end the world this could end everything but they're not talking about ending the world in terms of like um no the bomb will blow up the earth it would destroy the atmosphere that's what sure that's the idea but that's not what the bomb did but no but that's what i what i'm saying is he he had the inclination or the understanding that that was a very real possibility before they had even started any what of it. What was a real possibility? That that bomb was going to blow up the whole world. Yeah, that's the only one. But I'm saying that the reality was that the bomb isn't going to blow up the world. It didn't. I, what the bomb yeah, did do... That's a different thing, though. What the bomb did do is create a power dynamic and a shift to the power dynamic. The idea of having sure. the bomb is the idea of now I have the ability to destroy not the world, but your world, a country. I have yep. the ability to control now a country because I have the biggest weapon. I can tell people what to do. But this still doesn't deny the idea that he knew that that was a real possibility and yeah, he went so through with it anyways. The, the other point, the real possibility... So he had an idea that the real possibility would have been that the bomb would have destroyed the atmosphere, right? Yeah. But it's not until you put the theory to test you realize the severity sure. or the gravity of the theory. Sure. So you could have had an idea. Okay. But let's, he's he put it into test, and get, that's when he comes to the realization. Let's of get that. past that the bomb thing then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say that I give you a gun. Right. And it has a bullet in it, and I say, "Here, take this gun and point it at my head." Okay. And your your what you say is, I have a pretty good uh, uh, idea that this is gonna kill you right now. Right. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. So you still made the choice though to pull the trigger. Right. So what does that say about you that you knew that that was a real possibility that you were gonna kill me and you still pulled the trigger? Sometimes what does it say about you? I'm asking. What does it say about me? What if you, you did if you made that choice. If I made the choice to pull the trigger? Yes, and you knew that it was about it could kill me. If I made the choice to pull the trigger, that would mean for me that I pulled the trigger to kill you. But what does that say about you? That I'm willing to use a weapon against you. Okay. But you're willing to follow through with the idea that you know that I might die from you pulling that trigger. I know that you would die if I pulled the trigger because I'm aiming it at your okay. head. But I would also know that I would know, not just in your scenario, that sometimes it's scarier to know that the other person has a weapon pointed at you. And if I have a weapon pointed at you, I'm more likely to gain your compliance, especially if I want to use you. I, I think that I think what I'm trying to get at is that regardless of the external circumstances that are going on around you and the you know, the difference between theory and something being put into practice is like, if you have a, you know, a very good chance in your head of something happening 
and you know that that something happening could be very bad and you decide to go through it with it anyways yeah i think that's saying something about that person in terms of what are they what are they the choices that they're making and how much they're taking into consideration their choices that they're making and the impact that they might have on the world or on another person to be honest with you it feels like he wanted to make that choice to have an impact maybe maybe i mean that's that's what you're getting that makes sense though so i i like when you say that though that that makes a lot more sense to me is that maybe that was the point is that he wanted that impact and he wanted to do something that was big yeah and it actually maybe leads into the other conversation that we were going to talk about, which was the conversation about power and dominance and mm-hmm. competition between people. What do you think? Do you think that has a part to play with that then in terms of he knew that this bomb was going to do something possibly very destructive but the reason that he follows through with it is because he wanted that. He wanted to be that guy or that dude mm-hmm. using modern day terminology to do something big, to do something that had never been done before. Maybe he was grandiose in some way like that. Do you think that was that was what was going on there? I think all of them get into the okay. sciences for that. Sure. They get into the Tell me about that. For that. He, uh, I, he, was, he was, well, he was in the same conversation as an Albert Einstein. Why wouldn't he want that? Yeah. He was Heisen, and room. Heisenberg. And who was the other guy? I forget the other guy's name. Niels Bohr. Those are, those are huge names yeah, in science. He was one of those guys. So Everybody he, knows Heisenberg now because of uh, Breaking Bad, obviously, but he was a, he was a mm-hmm. huge person in quantum theory or I don't know. I don't know if that's what it was, but yeah, in that a field scientist. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, he was in that, he was in that realm of like, these are the, these are the guys, these are, the, these are where everybody's attention is going towards right now. Yeah. Okay. And so that, mm-hmm. that would make sense then he wants, he wanted to, better all of them i mean i don't think he wanted to better them well but maybe he went to einstein for advice i i don't know man it seems like he might have think think about the 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 one of the first scenes Mm -hmm. in the laboratory with his teacher Mm -hmm. what is his what what happens in that scene what do you mean the teacher insults him when he's kind of like okay there's a scene when he's in the lab when he's young. He's like kind of bushy haired oh, okay, yeah. and he's being clumsy. I think he's not like, he's not orderly in some way. And the teacher kind of insults him and makes him stay after class and everybody else leaves to li- listen to a lecture. Did you see this part? Yeah. And he takes the cyanide and Put injects the, the apple. apple. Yeah. He's going to kill his <laughs> he teacher. He tried to kill his teacher and he talks about this later. He's like, yeah, I went to psychoanalysis for two years and they didn't get me straightened out because I tried to kill my my professor and it's like well that that's already giving us this this hint that this guy wanted to be better than other people and he didn't like people putting him down in any way and he wanted to be the best well I think we go back to the same line about being Shiva again mm. the idea of being the god of destruction is something- he wanted to be bigger than man well, the idea of being the god of destruction, the only way we can become that, become the destroyer of worlds, is also being someone who creates something that can destroy worlds. So and if, and so, I don't know if you're familiar with Hindu mythology, but that was part. That was one part of the tripartite mm-hmm. uh, gods for Hinduism: creator, preserver, destroyer. Right. And so he is identifying with either the the father the son or the holy ghost one of those essentially he's one he's one part of of god i think he's he's a destroyer of worlds yeah but that tells you about his grandiosity and how high he saw himself yeah in relation to not only the other scientists but man in general well he was above it all perhaps 
he was given the role of being that person. He was chosen to be the head scientist. Yeah, and definitely. Everybody was looking for him. But he was also the one who was crazy enough to be that person to create a bomb and follow through with it. Yeah. Especially if you were told, then, hey, this bomb is going to kill, the, it could potentially destroy the world. Yeah. But the thing I get hung up on is that they're not really talking about how how it would destroy the world. I don't think they're scientists. They're not thinking about how politically it can destroy the world. Mm. Right. It can take control of the war. Yeah. But it's not going to, they're not talking about how having the bomb is a way of having authority over the world. Mm. Right. And he didn't see that for him. It was an ambition to create the bomb. That's what he created. Yeah. Right. To bring everyone together. He became the head of a Manhattan project. Yeah. One of the greatest feats of mankind is what yeah. he did. Yeah. He created a weapon that changed the world. Yes. That, that he's going to go down as a person that did that. Yeah. Well, there is some inherent grandiosity to that. You have to have some yeah. kind of big balls to go through with For that. Sure. Knowing that potentially you're going to kill everyone. Definitely. But I don't think he, in terms of compartmentalization, he didn't care. It's sort of like, well, I'll think about that later. Let me think about creating this yeah. thing first. Yeah. And create it in such a way. They created it in such a way to make it so small that the effect wouldn't be enough to kill the entire world because what you're doing is lining up the atoms around you. By creating mm-hmm. this bomb, you're heating up the atoms around you, right? The thing, I, the thing I get hung up on is because the same kinds of images that he's had, I've had in terms of like um, droplets in the water. For me, the, yeah. drop, the droplets in the water, for me, like I told you before, I think I've talked about it, when I was coming back from a CrossFit class, this is during the pandemic i'm like sitting in the car and watching cars drive by yeah but in my mind and we've had this conversation before i'm like all right what's going through the air yeah what is going through the atmosphere yeah because for me the next step of mobility in terms of vehicles is actually having crafts that hover Mm. but to do that we need to be able to heat up the atmosphere around us Mm -hmm. by heating up the atmosphere around us we can then levitate the vehicles right but we need uh, some way to conduct that yeah but the same thing is happening in the film where the, the way they, they heat up the, the air around them, the molecules around them, is by using hydrogen energy, mm-hmm. right? Like the hydrogen bomb. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because for them, the way they, they controlled it was creating the bombs in a smaller scale. Yeah. But creating small explosions, they were able to control it and then finally make a big one, one that affected the atmosphere around it. Yeah. They, I don't think they realized how much of an effect it would have on the human body, though. Right, because it did change the person. It did create tumors in the person. For sure. Yeah, I wonder how much they take that into calculation when they were doing this of what was going to be the long-standing effect from things, not just from the blast. Yeah. It's that, interesting. The, the Going back to that idea, though, of like power, domination, competition, um, it, it seems like that is a big theme in this movie because not only going on with Oppenheimer himself and other scientists, but that's one of the main conflicts in the movie between Oppenheimer and, and Robert De Niro's character, Robert Downey uh, Jr. Robert Downey right? Jr. Yeah. I forget his name. Um, He's a Senator in the film. Yeah. Um, Louis Strauss. Okay. Yeah. Louis Strauss. Mm-hmm. So Strauss and Oppenheimer are at odds with each other and they're kind of trying to one up each other, especially at the end. Um, they, they seem to have a contested relationship, right. but they, they too seem like a couple of individuals who are wanting to be at the top, who are kind of wanting to be better than others and to not let anybody kind of get the best of them. It seems. Mm-hmm. Even Strauss, it's like we hear him at the end of the movie talking about Oppenheimer and Einstein's conversation, thinking that they were talking about him and that it was it was in regards to something that they didn't like about him. And Oppenheimer disparaged him when that conversation really had nothing to do with him. And that's what the aide kind of points out. And it's it's kind of speaking to this egotistical 
frame of mind that each of these characters have where they every everything is through them and about them and basically all other relationships and all other people in their life kind of take a back seat to their own interests mm-hmm. right yeah the i found it interesting when one of the scientists came and talked during his hearings strauss's hearings and said you know what he has Oppenheimer in a secluded location mm. speaking about, you know, what he did during the nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. And that was unfair. I feel like that was the scientist's way of getting back at Strauss, mm. right? To really destroy his image in front of Congress. Yeah. They were all trying that to goes destroy back, each other's images. Well, that goes back to your idea of like, okay, one was trying to get uh, one out over the other. That, that was, I think, Oppenheimer's way of attacking Strauss by actually speaking about the truth about what yeah. was happening. Yeah. But this, the sad part about this is... Oh, yeah. yeah. And there was another scene, too, in Oppenheimer. I didn't get that scene, but what? Oppenheimer throws Strauss into the bus in front of Congress, too, yeah. at one point, right? Yeah. He kind of says he's somewhat better than a dog or something like that. Is he talking about Strauss? Yeah. That Strauss is better than a dog? Yeah. I oh, forget wow. exactly in relation to what, but... Uh, it's it's kind of sad though what we're talking about here because these are supposed to be you know the the leading minds these are supposed to be people who are you know in terms of science they're what is science supposed to be doing science is supposed to be you know investigating the world and uncovering things that we don't know yet and kind of helping humanity move along and what we're finding though is that these guys are not concerned with humanity they're concerned with their own egos and with their own reputations well look we're realizing that people are flawed scientists are flawed yeah for sure we had um recently we had robert f kennedy talking to congress Mm -hmm. in a similar sort of situation Mm -hmm. where he talks about how there was censorship right that occurred during the pandemic. Yeah. The censorship, um, the issue with that, he says, was that you didn't have other minds communicating with each other. Mm. You only had one central voice, which was Robert Fauci saying, yeah. hey, for like, sure. wear a mask, do this, this, and that, and then wait for oh, the vaccine to come Fauci's out. Fauci's a good example. Yeah, well, Dr. <laughs> Fauci, because he, he's like, Robert Kennedy Jr. is really against him, he even wrote a book about yeah. him. But he, Fauci was that central figure of his ego is totally. so big. And Kennedy talks and about looking it. looking to protect himself at yeah. all costs, well, too. Kennedy wrote the book about it, and then it's coming out later in life that Robert Fauci... Yeah, this is... Yeah. Robert Fauci was also the one who said, don't tell people that this originated from the lab that the For NIH sure. was funding, the Wuhan lab, yeah. and because he's trying to protect the image in front of people... Robert Fauci was also one of the bureaucratic scientists that um, was during the AIDS pandemic who I think there was actually what they were saying a medication for AIDS at one point, but he pushed it back because it benefited, uh, I guess, something else that it didn't come out. But But the same thing happened with the vaccine where there were there were actual um solutions for it yeah. that they were talking about yeah, yeah. like an ivermectin yeah, that for sure. doctors on the ground were saying this actually works yes. or this works or yeah. that works but they were not having actual exactly. physicians communicate with each other and say hey we can combat covid by this or hey we can do this this and that to, yeah. to defeat it or there's such a thing as natural immunity so let that take yeah. over yeah it's sort of like they censored and that's what he was talking about kennedy was saying they censor so many people and so many voices because at the end of the day the ones in control wanted to push their own agenda yeah right and that's what we see in the film that those who have the ability to control will likely want to push their own agenda and quiet voices quiet voices that are actually um uh, true and Trying honest conversation. Well, voices like maybe an Oppenheimer, because that's what he wanted to do towards the end, and that's what they hated about him was don't don't use this bomb on people, or you should you should not use this. Or he, I think he felt 
some kind of remorse or guilt about what happened. Yeah. That he's saying that there should be some policies in place. And then the Kennedy, I mean, uh, I think Lewis, a little late though. Yeah, sure. super late. And then Louis Strauss is saying, no, like this guy's crazy. Yeah. Get rid of his clearance. Don't yeah, let him, yeah. don't let him talk anymore. Yeah. But that's total censorship. Yeah. And it's True. interesting because there's a real contrast to what's happening today's, yeah. in today's society yeah. now. But it's, it's, and I, like, I understand what you're saying with Oppenheimer. He's trying to do that near the end, but earlier on in the film, especially when he's having these conflicts with Strauss, it seems more about protecting his ego and kind of what you're talking about with Fauci mirrors this in that the problem with that, when you get caught up in your own reputation and your own image and, and your career is that instead of doing good science, which would mean I have to kind of go back on some of my hypothesis. I have to correct myself. I have to say, this is where I went wrong. Right. This is what we need to change. I've made mistakes, all that kind of stuff. You don't do that because that makes you look bad because people don't want to see you making mistakes and you have to be this guy who's always in the know. But the problem with that is that then you're not open and you're not willing to have a discussion and you're not willing to make the changes that you need to make when they're necessary. And that leads to catastrophes often. Yeah. So the part of being a scientist and Kennedy talked about Robert Redford, Redford talked about it. Yeah. Fauci had this image. Of yeah. I am the, the end all be all scientist. Yeah. If you talk about science, you're talking about me. Yeah. It's, this is who I am. He yeah. didn't want to get... Uh, diminished in front of society. Yeah. They even made like mo- they made a movie about the guy. Mm. They like there was so much emphasis about Fauci. I think he showed up with Obama at one point. Like mm. there was so much around this guy. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that he was unwilling to do was abide by the scientific rules, which is a scientific method. Yeah. If you create something, you have to allow other scientists to prove you wrong. Yeah. You know, and that's a part of it. Science. Science is changing. It's not yeah. a ball. Yeah, and I, I yeah, think that's he, true. he took the word as if it was law, and it's not. Science should be subjected to peer review. That's a good point. That's what it's for. It has to be always kind of adjusting and learning during the process, and you can't kind of just be okay with how things have been. And that's the problem when you have someone who is unchecked, like a scientist. Yeah, that's why it's good to have a scientist, but it's also good to have someone who at least knows some sciences. Yeah, and some other sort of. Yeah. rationale and say yeah. you might be a scientist but we need yeah. to have you you know listen to other yeah. voices because guess what like yeah. you're not the end all be yeah. all and, I, and I, you know I think Oppenheimer besides his competition with Strauss he was in competition with Heisenberg too and, and oh, yeah. it's interesting though because he could be under the guise of I'm in competition for good reasons because he's in competition with Heisenberg who's helping the Germans. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I want to be, I want to beat this guy because we don't know what the Germans are going to do, but you kind of get the strong suspicion that Oppenheimer was also thinking, Oh, I'm besting Heisenberg. I'm, I'm on the right track and Heisenberg is not. And I'm wondering what that is even did to his ego there to realize like, Hey, this guy who is the world renowned person in this field, I'm actually doing better than him at this point. He became a science fair project. Yeah. You know, and he got the grand prize. Who gets the gold ribbon? He did. Or the blue ribbon, whatever it is. (laughs) I mean, he ended up getting it. He ended up creating the weapon that's basically stopped the war. (sighs) Yeah. But, that what what was the cost right that's that's the big question it's like what the ends versus the means the ends justify the means i think in this situation it did though the one person that was disgusting to me was the president at that time Mm. that is the depiction of that president yeah which you see eisenhower Eisenhower, huh eisenhower i think it was eisenhower truman i forgot i think it was truman okay it's truman and then He's trying to talk about the reality of it, yeah. right? Or he's trying to tell him, like, yeah. like, you shouldn't use this shit or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want a crybaby in my office. Don't bring yeah. him back. As he's walking out. Yeah. Another another big ego game there, though, because he, uh, Oppenheimer is, you know, talking about how his choice is going to 
you know, impact the world. And then Truman says, you know, don't, don't delude yourself. This isn't about you. This is about me. I'm the one that they're going to be talking about, but he's not saying it in a way of like, Oh, they're going to be talking down on me and, and looking down on me as a person. He wants to be associated with this thing because that's a, it's like part of, yeah, it's power. Like you're saying, it's like, I'm the, I'm the head guy. I'm the fucking president, dude. I mean, you're not, you're not shit here. And so it just keeps going up. There's, there's never somebody, you're never going to get higher than anybody. I guess at this point, if you're the president of the United States, you're that top person in the world, but there's only one president of the United States. And the idea of that, the idea of that Americano was that though. Oh, to especially have, in that time president of, the, of, of that history. Well, because yeah. you also have a Hitler during that time too that yeah. was known to have been on testosterone, to be on cocaine or methamphetamines, mm. who was also very grandiose for, because he wanted to take over Europe. Well, right? you're the leader of the free world, uh, quote unquote. Yeah, so you have, two big, you have two big dogs and we're wondering who has the biggest weapon. Mussolini was in there too. Yeah, so another big dog, right? So you have all these freaking people. Yeah. I think they're the Axis. Hitler was a megalomaniac. Yeah, but he was on cocaine and test, yeah. testosterone. So he was fucking like yeah. very elevated, very grandiose. Definitely. Like, definitely at that point where it's pathological and then you have to have a president like a truman saying well these guys are doing that i'm Mm. gonna elevate my ego up to Mm. that point and and do that as well so we have an dark side of all this though you know you have an oppenheimer trying to be like the voice of reason and these men at that level they're not the voice of reasons anymore because they're they're all fighting each other so it was an arms race, but it was also yeah. just this this idea of who has the biggest weapon. Yeah. We're going to fund but, it. We're going to fend it. And then we finally did it. And then made Truman feel like, I have the biggest yeah. fucking weapon. Now I'm going to take over. Yeah, but how does that affect sure. our society? Well, an Americana, right? Like an American citizen would be like, I'm American. They fuck with us. They fuck with everyone. Yeah. Now we're going to do this shit. We didn't have this until September 11 again when yeah. we had a bush and we had an enemy uh, because of what happened with yeah. the, the Twin Towers. Yeah. At that point, we're like, okay, if they did this, we're going to destroy them because we're going to get all their nuclear weapons. And it wasn't about that. It was about securing the oil. Yeah. But you think about this I like idea that we're presented of history and World War II specifically, and it's like, you know, America and Britain the allies and we got to take down these axis powers these are this is evil i don't think it's really these are like that. these are the people that need to be taken out and overcome yeah. and it's a it's a very glorified way of looking at it for our side of things but when you look at it through this this perspective that we're seeing and we're we're seeing that all these people that were involved in this were oh, yeah. evil in their own way. Churchill was like in there too, right? Kind of, yeah, and but in a shrouded way, like we are not really seeing the evil as much. And it's a lot of these power games that are going on that's running the show in the background. And it's not about you know America winning over those evil empires. It's about big people that have big positions in the world trying to one-up each other in a way. Yeah, well, that's what it was, and that's war. But they're trying to secure position. They're trying to secure some of the things that that matter in the world, which are the resources. Yeah, Because part of the reason to go to war is about saying, okay, who who has now control of the world? Mm. Now we don't go to war like we used to, where there's like we're killing people. Now we go to war, go to war through something else, economy. Yeah, we go we go to war through taking over, f- you know, money, and sure. banks, and foundations, and that's that's a new kind of war that they're fighting now, and it's all, in a way, digital, manipulating the economy. Yeah, um, but even that idea of owning the world or or being in charge of the world, right? Like, if you even say that. And you say that to yourself. It's like, what, is, what does that do to a person to believe that or to even have that word coming out of your mouth that you are in charge of the world? It's like, what? <laughs> that, that shouldn't even be a thing that you can say. I think it's, it's a big job for one person. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, you can't. 
No one could be. It should a, not be a thing. Well, no one can be a god, but all these men who are in power right now feel that they're it's gods. Come to that. Well, yes. we have a Russian president. You have a Chinese president. You have some North Korean president. Yeah. You have our American president, then you have the ones yeah. in other countries. But those main powers are probably the Europeans and yeah. you know, the American. It, so, seem, it seems like part of what this movie might have been getting at in a way then is the way that not only certain scientists but politicians have come into the forefront of the world powers over the last hundred odd years and that those are the people who control everything now are the politicians and and scientists that were kind of taking a lot of orders from yeah they call that geopolitics Mm. you know um, and that's the world, po- the world political scene. Yeah. There are a lot of moving parts now. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like we don't fight wars like we used to. Where if I'm angry with you, I'm going to go to war. I mean, we have that with Russia, but they're doing it the old way, mm. right? And the other way they're fighting wars is creating cold wars is through tariffs and shit like that. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, I think this movie is good because it should at least get you to question. Um, even the scientists that we have today in power, like mm. a Fauci, sure. or like a person that could be like a Fauci. Definitely. It, it, it was so wrong that people just believed in do this and do that, take the vaccine and it'll, you yeah. all be great. Yeah. There are a lot of people who I know who didn't take the vaccine, who got COVID and they didn't get sick. Yeah. And but, then a lot of people had ill effects from vaccines too, it seems. Yeah. But the sad reality was this because COVID was a new disease people were going to die Mm. um i think we as human beings try to avoid the idea of death yeah definitely why wouldn't we right because we we love life where sometimes we take life for granted and we don't realize that um a part of being alive is that there's an eventual end an eventual departure of life which is death yep but to prevent that, we think that we need to do these things or follow these advices to keep us alive Mm. and during that time that's what they thought we needed to do. Yeah. But who yeah. are you listening to? That, that's kind of the question well, in a way. Like, it's like, <laughs> a are Trump? You, yeah. A, a Fauci? Yeah. A Dr. Burks? Yeah. You know, but they didn't have all the answers. For sure. How could they have the answers for a new virus or disease, but we needed to listen to somebody? Yeah, definitely. We needed someone to listen to rather than listening to ourselves and saying, well, let me let me look at what I'm doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People were easily manipulated by the companies, the definitely the big uh, pharmaceutical companies, and it came out. A lot of people were talking about how much money they made on people, even yeah. how much money the hospitals made by saying everyone was dying of COVID. When in reality, the car accident that happened was probably not related to COVID. They probably died because they had a car a heart mm. attack and, mm. while they were driving the car. Yeah, they probably died because of a car accident, yep. but they happened to be COVID positive when you tested them. Seems like we got to question who we're listening to, perhaps, right? I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least have critical thinking. And this is something I was taught in middle school. Yeah. My, I forget her name, but my teacher said, you know what? Don't always believe what you read on the internet. Don't yeah. always believe what you hear on TV. Yeah. Question it. For have sure. some critical thinking. For sure. For sure. That's the reality. Definitely. You know, have some critical thinking skills what's happening right now and don't always believe everything you're spoon fed because who's benefiting off of you being spoon fed and i think this relates to again this movie is similar to what we were experienced with the barbie yeah. movie as well right absolutely consumerism and this is another i think a, there is a theme here with amongst the movies and maybe something that either from the movies that we're getting or even from us ourselves yeah that we're realizing that something about consumerism in society right yep being fed things being told to kind of listen to what other people are telling us and not questioning it and what is that trying to make us buy and so maybe we can think about buying not only in terms of material but also what kind of ideas are you buying and you're consuming ideas that people are giving to you and that people are providing to you apple Sure. You buy an Apple product, what kind of ideas are you allowed to use? The thing is, okay, I have an iPhone, yeah. but I'm like, maybe I can get an Android because I'm tired of the, how restrictive the iPhone is. Maybe I need to taste another part of life. 
And it's sort of like, mm. you no, know, if you're only told that you need to have an Apple product, you'll never know what the other side tastes like or yeah. feels like. Yep. Because you're only told, well, I should stay in my lane. I should only focus on this. Well, there are other things that the world has to offer. Why not expand your horizons? Yeah. And we can all be our own forms of scientists. We can all explore and kind of search for answers in a way we don't have to have well, we people live. who are in those positions do it for us if we, we if we don't want them to be them the thing about being an american like even in the opera hammer film is that yeah. we have a society a free society right a society where we should have the decisions about what we do in terms of what we put in our bodies yeah. and stuff like that yeah that's the point we're here we're not in a communist society where you're told take these vaccines yeah. you're told you have to ration your food no yeah you live in a place where you can have a decision of course you follow certain laws and guidelines yeah right but you have a decision about what you consume or what you decide not to consume yep you don't always have to follow everyone's morals and values yeah you pick the ones that maybe are yeah, for you. Exactly. Especially when we don't know the people who are telling us these things. And so when it is a person like a Fauci or even an Oppenheimer or whoever it might be, like you're saying, these are very flawed people and maybe are living some really fucked up lives. And to think that they know more than you do on a lot of stuff about life is probably not accurate and you that's need to why, be able to question what you're being given you know i think that's why einstein gave oppenheimer his his notes back he's like that's not mine that's yours yeah for sure because he gave him the notes of how to create the bomb or the, what would happen when the bomb is created mm -hmm. and einstein's like i'm not taking ownership of this yeah that's all you yep. because he knew what would happen he even warned him of what what would happen if he created this this bombs yeah. device yep. right um i think it's true to, to question those who are on authority to question those who I mean, at least we can hear in this country for sure not always to believe everything like <laughs> people who are young right, even older people it's like question your influencers yeah is the kim kardashian that you're looking at really a real person yeah or is she a woman who is someone that people shouldn't trust? Yeah. Right. Is a Kanye West someone that you should follow? Yep. Or does he really think that his clothing line is just a big joke on you? Yeah. Does he think that people should really dress like you bums? Don't know, yeah. You don't know their because, intentions. You don't know yeah. their motivations. So it's like, I went to a concert with, with, a, with, a, with a, a friend a long time ago. And it was a Romeo Santos concert. But the images, because, you know, I was always in, I was pretty much into symbolism, even back then, my study mm -hmm. of psychology. Mm -hmm. But in one of the songs, the images were about pentagrams, about yeah. Satanism and stuff. And it's like, all right. And I'm talking to her and I'm like, letting her know, look at this. Yeah. Like people are not realizing, but, but the reality is that you're being shown this shit. Sure. In images of a pentagram, in images of demons. Yeah. And for what? Yeah. I like the music. Don't get me wrong. I like dancing to bachata music or really good music. Mm -hmm. But when you're being shown this, it's like, what's the message yeah. that we're really trying to, the studio trying to give to me and why? Why depict some sort of thing about Satanism? Yeah. But it's, it, people should question these things. Why am I being shown this? Yep. What's behind this? Yep. Yep. And I, I think for us to watch both Oppenheimer and Barbie was interesting because it hits a similar hits similar understandings which is question what you're viewing what oh, you're yeah. consuming right even yes. with an oppenheimer yes in reality yeah what's think about really how it relates to your life right like what does this have to do with me and what's going on in the world and maybe i have to pay attention and and relate it to myself in some way it's a philosophical exercise and i think that's part of what we're doing here right we're trying to get people to do that a little bit more yeah right basically our, this is why we're sharing our message really. yeah so when you're watching a movie at least for us when we watch a movie some of it is because we have an inherent interest for psychology yeah we enjoy it but when seeing both of these mainstream films we're realizing the effect it can have on us and, others, and I, I think we'd want our own audience to really question it as well 
Yeah. To think about it. Yep. To have an opinion. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Have an opinion about what you're watching. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like a good place to end, man. It's, it's getting late. It is. And we did two back to back. I feel pretty good about it. What do you are you ready? Are you ready to end this? I'm ready. I'm okay. done, I'm done talking. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm 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 done, man. Yeah, I'm tired. This was good. Um okay, so I'm gonna try to put these both up this week. I think we're gonna take a weekend off from watching movies and doing podcasts and we'll come back in a couple of weeks with a new one and we'll see what we're gonna watch. I think we we're talking about a movie. Let's let's keep it up in the air for right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's, we'll, let's we'll just do that. keep it a mystery. So we'll take a little break. This is twelve podcasts in. This is a good time for a, a week or so break. Maybe we'll take two weeks. We don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, how we feel. We'll see how it goes. And then uh, see if the audience we'll come back. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll see what the response is. Maybe we'll get more than ten views on this one. You know, maybe we'll get like twelve views or something. Hopefully, <laughs> twelve thousand views. Okay. Well, this was good again. Um, appreciate your time as always. This is Deconstructing the Psyche. This is Michael. This is Sammy. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye.